We are in the book of 1 Corinthians. We are in chapter 15, verses 12 through 23. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be mis misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as, for as by man death came, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it would be incredibly unoriginal if I opened up by saying this is a weird time. Uh, it would be unoriginal because number one, uh, we've all said it a thousand times and number two because it's kind of an understatement right uh, this is a very unideal way to celebrate Easter together it kind of destroys a lot of our traditions um, a lot of because this is a big day this is the big day for Christians it's the big day for churches as though for us, even, we were, we've been planning, you know, months ago we sat down, we planned out what are we going to do leading up to Easter and what are we going to do on Easter and what are we going to do the, the weeks following Easter. We sent out uh, thousands and thousands of mailers to the community surrounding the YMCA inviting people to come and worship with us and we couldn't get our money back and so that all went out to people and it just kind of messed up all of our plans but but, but here's, here's why I am excited, even though this is the situation that we find ourselves in. I'm excited because if this thing is true, if Easter is true, if Jesus Christ was the, was the Son of God, if we as human beings are dead in our trespasses and sins, and the, the death of Christ is powerful enough and strong enough to cover the worst of our sins, and if his resurrection is powerful enough to give life to us as human beings, just as it gave life to him, then it doesn't need to be propped up with all of our extraneous things, with our special music and our special uh, things that we do on Easter. It should stand on its own, and and, and that's why I'm excited that for today that, that the resurrected power of Christ would be shown more strongly in our weakness. I'm, I'm praying that maybe even some of our traditions and thoughts about Easter that have maybe have gotten, gotten in our way, gotten in the way of the power of the resurrected Christ being the feature thing, that that would be featured today. And so I'm going to pray for us before we continue that right where you are, 
in the place where you're watching this, that the presence and power of the resurrected Christ would fill the place where you're in and you would experience that presence of the risen Christ today with you. Uh, Father, we come to you this morning, on this Easter morning, as uh, we ponder and we celebrate the truths that are uh, that this morning represents. And Father, I pray that you would uh, fill each place with your presence and with your power, that your word would be shown to be true, that your spirit would be with us, that you would open our eyes and our minds and our ears and our hearts to understand and to hear what you have to say to us. Holy Spirit, we pray you would glorify the risen Christ this morning and that we would marvel at his goodness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our passage this morning uh, is one of the great passages in the great, from the, one of the great chapters in the entire Bible about the truth of the resurrection, about what the resurrection is all about. And in it, the Apostle Paul is really laying out uh, how uh, the, the resurrection is not only a source of hope for Christians, but it's the only source of hope for the entire world. You see, hope is an interesting thing. It, we all rely on it all the time. We, we hope things will get better. Uh, we hope that something good will happen. Uh, it sustains us, this feeling, whether it's uh, a general hope about today or a hope about tomorrow or off in the future, we have this sense, this hope, this desire that, that things will get better, that there is something better on the other side. And, and, and when things are good, our source of hope can be kind of vague. Just like, hey, something good's going to happen. Tomorrow will be better. My future will be better. Uh, but when times get tough, it really shows either the strength or the weakness of what our hope is. And tough times and Easter really show off the source, though, of true Christian hope. You see, true Christian hope is that Jesus died and was resurrected and that we will be too as believers. You see, some people in Corinth, the church that Paul was writing to when he wrote this letter, uh, they were dealing with doubts about whether this resurrection thing was actually real, actually true. They, they were wondering, like, could this, could this actually be true? Like, could the resurrection of Jesus actually be true? Could, could I actually bank on the fact that I'm going to be resurrected if and when I die? And see, it's easy to imagine that, right? Because it's all kind of unbelievable. You know, what we are celebrating this morning, what we're talking about this morning on Easter is that we say that Jesus Christ was the living Son of God, 100% God and 100% man, and that we as mankind were created in God's image, but yet we had fallen because of sin. And that Jesus Christ came as a man, lived the perfect life that we could not live, died a death that we as our substitute, and he rose again on the third day, on that Easter Sunday morning, and is coming again to bring back all the saints back to live with the Father. It's all kind of unbelievable. unbelievable. And, and we have to wrestle, all of us have to wrestle with that this morning. But we all have to wrestle with the question is, is there such a thing as resurrection? Is the resurrection of Christ, is resurrection itself real? Is it true? Is it such a thing? And here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that if Jesus has been raised from the dead, if he has been, 
if Jesus has been raised from the dead, then those who trust in him will be too. And he's also saying, if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, if all this is made up, if it's a story, if it's a fable, if it's a, if it's a myth, then no one has any hope for the future. No one. You see, if there's no resurrection of Jesus, if the resurrection of Christ is not true, then Christians have no hope and we're wasting our time. Why? Because Christianity itself, it hinges on the resurrection. Christianity at its core is not a moral set of laws. It's not a way to live. It's not a code of morality. It's not a order of worship. It's not a way to worship. It's not a group that you belong to. Christianity at its core is a people who have responded to a message about what God has done for us because of our sinful state, that sin and death now reign in this world and reign over us as human beings when it wasn't meant to be, and we are prisoners of the sin and death that we ourselves have created. We have made it, if you will, our own prison that has locked us in. And Christianity is not a set of, that, a set of moral codes that we can live out and get our way out of that. It's not a set of religious uh, practices that we can observe that will get us out of that hole. It is a message of who Jesus was and what he did on our behalf to rescue us out of that. Now, the core of that is Jesus' death on Good Friday and his resurrection on that Easter Sunday morning. If there is no, if there is no resurrection, and that's why Paul says, if there is no resurrection, if Christ has not been raised, then we as believers, we as Christians, are those to be most pitied because we are banking our future, our uh, hope on the resurrection of Christ alone, not on our own code of conduct. If Christ is not raised, then eat, sleep, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. It doesn't matter. If you're watching this and Christ is not raised, if that's true, I give you full freedom Turn away from Christianity, turn away from the church, and do whatever you want to do today and tomorrow that gives you a sense of pleasure before tomorrow you die and then it all ends. But here's the truth, that not only if there's no resurrection are we as Christians, are we to be most pitied, to be most pitied, but all of us are to be pitied. None of us have any hope if Christ has not been raised. Did you notice the wording there in, uh, in verse 19? He says, uh, if in Christ we have hope in this life only. Those of us who don't believe that there is a resurrection are placing our hope or your hope in this life only. And the problem with that, the problem with those kind of hopes that are hopes that are in this life only, or they're based upon my, uh, my goodness or my smartness or my ability to perform or that I'm going to, uh, have this amount of money or I'm going to reach this status or uh, this X, whatever the thing is going to happen that you hope for in the future. If, if the problem with all of those things is they die when we die. The problem with hopes that are based in this life only are that they die when we die. But the resurrection of, Je of Jesus offers a different and a better and a greater hope. Because first of all, it's a hope not based on our own performance. You see, the hopes that are based in this life only are based on the fact that, hey, I'm going to be smart enough, strong enough, 
or somebody around me is going to be smart enough or strong enough or have enough resources to get me what I need, to get me what I want, that I think would, would satisfy me, would make me feel safe and happy and, and whole, that my source of hope in this life. But if I'm doing that, then I'm basing that on my performance or somebody who's close to me. And, and I don't know if you have lived long enough to realize that we as human beings, I know my story, uh, I know it's your story as well. We never quite perform as well as we think that we should or could. We never quite live up to our own potential, do we? I know I find myself tripping over my own feet all the time. I know I could be better. I could be smarter. My house could be cleaner. My, my career could be better. I could be a better husband, a better dad, a better friend. Uh, I could be better at any number of things, and yet I can't quite get there. That's a story for all of us as human beings, that our performance never lives up. And if we base our hope in this life only, then we're basing it on our performance, but the better hope that Christianity provides, the resurrection of Jesus provides, is that we are placing our hope in somebody else's performance, that is, the Son of God Himself. That He came and lived a perfect life, and we know that he was sub His substitutionary death for us was accepted by God because He was resurrected. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we know that it, our hope does not have to rest upon our performance, but upon His performance. It's a greater and better hope because it doesn't ignore justice. You see, if, if I'm hoping in the future, or even in an afterlife, based upon uh, my own life, based upon my own performance, then I'm hoping that somebody is going to overlook my, the bad things that I've done or somehow that the good things that I've done will outweigh those bad things. But the problem with that is that, that that's asking for there not to be justice on my, on my accounts. We want justice to happen for those bad people out there. Those that have murdered, those that have stolen, those who have raped and pillaged, those who have caused wars. We want, we want justice to be doled out to them, but not to us. And so the problem is that with the, us placing hope in this life, even for an afterlife, upon my performance is that I'm hoping that justice won't be done. But the message of the cross and the resurrection is that justice was fully carried out, but Christ bore the justice that I deserved and that you deserved instead of us. And he rose again as he conquered our sin and death and hell and the grave. See, the hope of the resurrection of Christ is a better hope because it's based upon a person who epitomizes all the things that we long for. Only in Jesus has held up the one who is full of grace and truth. The one who is strong and yet humble. The one who is loving yet exacts justice and takes that justice upon himself. That alone, that person that we were made to worship alone is represented in Jesus Christ himself. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is a superior hope to any other hope because it's based in fact. Did you notice what, what Paul said? He says, but if Christ has been raised and our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain, we're even be found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ. Uh, earlier in the chapter, Paul lays out the truth that Jesus Christ was dead and buried and resurrected. And then he cites, he says, Christ was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. 
Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom at this, the time that this was written were still alive, though some have fallen asleep. That means they've died. It says, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. The resurrection of Christ is a fact. It is true. It was witnessed by hundreds of people who bore witness to the fact that Jesus Christ had died and that again he was he rose again. And it may seem unbelievable, but there are lots of things that are true that are unbelievable. The Grand Canyon is unbelievable. Electricity is unbelievable. Have you thought about like how like that electricity exists and how it works? Like it's sort of unbelievable that exists. The fact that we're in the middle of a lockdown and that most of the world's economy is shut down is really hard to understand. It's really unbelievable, and yet it is still true. And we know it's true because of the testimony of the disciples, but we also know it's true because we see their changed lives. The disciples before Jesus was resurrected, man, whenever, after he was crucified, they went and they hid. They were... Peter himself denied Jesus three times. They were hiding away. They thought this thing was over. They didn't have any confidence. And yet, whenever he was risen, when he raised again, we see their lives change. They go to the gallows. They go to their own execution. They proclaim the gospel boldly and they face their own executions boldly never denying the fact that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who died for our sins and rose again on the third day. The, the resurrection of Jesus is a superior hope that has sustained Christians throughout troubles. Did you see, see what Paul is saying here? He's saying that you're still dead in your sins if he has not been raised, and those who have fallen asleep in Christ, those who have who have died, they have perished, if it is not true. When Christians have faced troubles through the years, through the millennia, they have done so with courage and with a peace and with a calm. Because they knew that though they were facing torture and pain, disease, and even death, that Christ had conquered all of those. And because He lives... They were safe and secure in his hands. See, the resurrection of Jesus is, is a superior hope that has flourished in hard times. Here in the very beginning, the Jewish authorities and the Roman government tried to suppress the truth of who Jesus was and his resurrection, and yet they could not. And throughout the ages since then, no one has been able to stop the spread of the story of who Jesus was and what he did and his resurrection ever since then, though they have tried. It lives and thrives because we do not worship a creed. We do not worship a moral law. We worship a risen Savior who is seated at the right hand of the Father and is coming again. And as believers, the resurrection life of Christ fills us, and that's what makes it a superior hope. It's a superior hope, and also it's the only hope. Because it's the only hope that prepares you to die. No other hope prepares you to die. 
It's interesting because for something that assuredly happens to every single one of us, isn't it interesting how little we think about death? We don't want to think about it. We want to put it away. We want to push it away. We don't want to consider it. We want to ignore it. We try to delay it. Death terrifies us. And the pathway of this life is a melancholy path when we ponder it because we know that it ends in death for all of us. It terrifies us. Death terrifies us, and it should. We as human beings, we don't really know how to deal with death because we weren't made to. We were made for eternal life with our Creator God. But upon the coming of sin also came death, and that brought separation from God. And when we're finally forced to look at death, we're left to wonder. If we're finally forced to look at it, we're finally left to wonder, am I ready? Am I ready to die? Am I prepared to die? You see, every other hope, even if it addresses death, every other hope puts the weight on you to prepare yourself to die. It's your life, it's your deeds, it's your decisions, it's your actions that can prepare you for death. And even then, who knows what the bar is or if you've cleared it? How can we even know if we've met that bar, whatever that bar is? And we're left there pondering and wondering, they're kind of dangling out in the middle of, of nowhere, and yet still death waits for all of us. It's taunting us from around the corner and in our nightmares. Yet the message of Jesus is entirely different. The message of Jesus is that Jesus himself went through death, and by righting our terrible wrongs through his substitutionary atonement on the cross, he emerged in resurrection life on the other side and was declared the Son of God by power in his resurrection. You see, the resurrection of Christ is the only hope that prepares you to die, and it's the only hope that prepares you to truly live this life. It's the only hope that can, that can prepare you to, to live this life correctly, to use it for what it is and not try to get more out of it than we can possibly get. You see, if our, if our hope is in this life only, then we're going to be looking around this life and trying to get the most out of it, trying to squeeze every last drop out of it, and abusing life, abusing others, trying to get everything we can for ourselves. And yet, the resurrection of Christ frames this life for us and says, this is not all that there is. We are made for something more, and as believers, we are connected to that something more by the resurrection life of Christ, which we will be living with Him forever and ever in eternity. It's not just a forever life, it is a wholly different kind of life. It is a life with God which we were made to have. See, if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, if you believe that your hope lies in this life, if you are looking for hope and something in this world, then I have very little good news for you this morning. I have no good news for you this morning, in fact. But I do have good news. And that is, just as Paul says in verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
Christ has been raised. It is a sure hope. It is no guessing game. Jesus' resurrection equals our resurrection and our hope. Our hope as believers rests firmly in the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. See, as believers, we don't have to muster hope. We don't have to work it up. We don't have to squint and push ourselves and try to have hope. We receive hope. Just as we receive the good news of Christ and we receive the Christ as our Lord and Savior into our lives, we receive the hope. He gives it to us and we receive it. We don't have to make our hope. We get it from Him. And we receive, and this is so awesome, we receive the surety, the, the sureness of that hope, the down payment of that, which is the Spirit of God resident inside us. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, here's what I know, that as I've been sharing the gospel this morning, the Spirit of God has been stirring inside your soul saying, yes, that's true. Yes, that's real. This is sure. This is true. This is real. Christ is, is seated at the right hand of God. He is resurrected and He is coming again. The resurrection life of Christ is at work within your soul and He will come and He will pull you to Him and we will live forever with Him. You know it is stirring within inside you. And if it is not stirring inside you this morning, then you need to receive and respond to the good news of who Jesus was and what He did on your behalf. You see, Christians don't have hope. We experience hope. We don't simply have hope. We experience it. We live in it. Because the resurrection power of Christ, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, works powerfully in those of us who are believers to begin salvation and to take us through to the end whenever he calls us home or he returns. Christ is the first fruit, that the first resurrected from the dead, and we will follow him as if we're believers. And we don't have to muster up the ability to hope it. We experience it as we experience Christ in the Spirit and the fellowship of God. So here's the question this morning. Have you received that? Have you experienced it? Are you experiencing it now? Is it causing worship and wonder in you? It should. If you're a believer in Christ, it should cause worship and wonder in you. And if you're watching this this morning and you're not a believer in Christ, it can still and should cause worship and wonder in you this morning if you respond to the risen Jesus today. His call is coming out to you. He came he lived, he died, he was buried, and he is resurrected by the power of God. And that can be your path as well, to follow him and his resurrection as you receive what he has done on your behalf. This morning, right now, respond to him. Don't delay. Make this Easter morning the morning, the day that you responded. And see, because, if the, the, because the resurrection of Jesus is the only hope that enable us, enables us to truly live and prepares us to die, then if you're a Christian, respond also this morning by asking God for the power of the resurrected Jesus to fill you and charge you this morning and to respond in worship and wonder on this Easter morning.
Now, there's a number that's going to come up on the bottom of the screen. If, if God is working in your heart today, then I urge you to text this number. Let us know what is going on. Or maybe you don't even know what's going on. They say, I know something is happening. I'm not even sure. I thought I was a Christian, maybe, and now I'm not sure. Or maybe if you're watching this, I was a skeptic, and now something is happening inside me. I want somebody to talk with me or pray with me or just to know that something is happening. Text this number and let us know. And if you're a believer in Christ, maybe you need to, to bow your knee and repent of the, a life of doubt, a life of a life of running away from him, even though you were a believer. Or maybe you just need to say, hey, Christ, I need Christ to work in my soul this morning. I need somebody to pray with me. Text this number and respond. I'm going to pray and we're going to worship together uh, as this remaining Easter morning as we celebrate and wonder and worship of the risen Christ. Father, I thank you for the mercies that are poured out to us in the life, death, and burial and resurrection of Christ. I thank you that as believers, that we our hope is sure and based upon the facts of Jesus' resurrection. I thank you that his resurrection life and power is at work within us. Father, I pray for any person who is watching who is doubting or running, is a skeptic. Father, I pray you would bring a fresh conviction to them, that you would help them to respond to you in repentance and faith and they would experience new life even today in their souls, and they would know that they have a sure hope for the future in the finished work of Christ on their behalf. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.